This morning, as you've heard, is Mission Sunday. And missions is about one thing, and that is going and telling others about Jesus. And it's the basis for our mission statement. That we want to lead our neighbors to know and be changed by Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at a passage in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. And while you're, while you're getting there, I'll give you a little bit of background that you really need to know about this book. Peter, Peter was one of the apostles. He was one of the twelve that uh, walked with Jesus. He was the Peter that denied Jesus. And he was the Peter that at the campfire by the Sea of Galilee that Jesus reaffirmed him in his calling to follow and to minister to him. Jesus was a Jew, and as he wrote this letter, it was in about A.D. 66, so it was some 30 years after Jesus had died and risen again. But Jesus, and and the, the dispersion had happened where the Jews had been scattered, been scattering throughout the world because of persecution of the Romans and, and different things. And so Peter is writing, he says in chapter 1, verse 1, that he's writing to the dispersion. He's writing to Jews. And the verses that we're going to look at this morning, we see that because almost everything that he says in these four short verses are based on Old Testament Scripture. And we need to understand that to be able to see what, what Peter is saying to the, to the believers that are now scattered throughout the known world. And keep in mind that, that Paul has already been on his missionary journeys and churches have been established in, in Ephesus and in, in Rome and Corinth and, and all over the world. So, so you have that background what, to what takes place here. And as we, as we study this passage of Scripture this morning, our aim is this. That you are called to proclaim God through word and deed so that others may know and glorify Him. You are called to proclaim God through word and deed so that others may know and glorify Him. We're going to look in uh, chapter 2, verses 9 through, 11, through 12. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation." So the first thing that we want to see here is, is what Pe Peter says about you. Peter says, you are. And there's four things that he says you are here. The first thing that Peter says, he says, you are a chosen race. That refers back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 37. 
uh, Moses is, is talking to the people and he's, he's telling them about, about God's plan for them and why he has called them out of Egypt and the things that he wants to do. And he tells them, you are God's chosen race. You are the ones that God has selected. He handpicked you. You know, each and every one of us that are here today that have asked Jesus Christ into our heart have been handpicked by God. Paul says you were predestined to follow Christ. And so you are chosen by God. You, me, we are a chosen race. We are chosen as believers to follow Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. The second thing that he says, he says that you are a royal priesthood. Now, most of you in here probably never thought you were a priest, but Peter says you are a priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. And as we look at that in those two words together, come from a specific part of scripture because that's saying that that you have you have the lineage of a king and you have the lineage of a priest and when we go, we go back to the old testament back to genesis chapter 14 and we see that abraham has just won a big victory he's fought a battle he's had victory and on his way back home he runs into this guy that the bible calls says he is the prince of Salem who makes offering as the high priest of God, whose name is Melchizedek. So Peter is referring back to Melchizedek and him being a prince and a priest. And we go on and we look in Psalms 110 that was written several hundred years later, Psalms 110.4, and, and the psalmist writes and says, and you will be a priest forever. Referring in the line of Melchizedek. And he's referring to, he's looking forward to the time of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus comes on the earth, he is the Prince of Peace. And he is our high priest that we pray to and that we surrender to. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews calls Jesus a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And here, Peter is saying, guess what? If you have Jesus Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit living in your heart and life, you are a high priest. You are a prince because you are a child of the king. And you are a high priest because you have the Holy Spirit living in you you are there. You don't need anyone else to intermediate between you and God because you are a vessel of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ sits on the throne mediating for you. So you are called to be a royal high priest. And then he also he says that you are a holy nation. As we sit here today... Each one of us that has asked Jesus Christ into our hearts and lives knows that we sin. We know that we mess up. We know that we had sinned before we knew Christ and that we needed a Savior. We needed to be forgiven and pardoned of our sins and, and made clean again. And Peter declares 
to, the, to his readers that, that were dispersed. He declares to them, you are a holy nation. You've been made holy. In Exodus 19, as Moses is, is speaking and writing the things that God is sharing with the people there, uh, God calls them a kingdom. God calls them a, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We are called to be holy. God says, be holy as I am holy. And holiness means being set apart, right? It means being different than the world. It means being able to let people see Christ through you because of the way that you live your life. So you are called to be a holy nation. And then finally, finally there he says that you are God's possession if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior not only are you his heir not only are you a priest not only are you a holy nation but he says you're a possession you are his he, he, he owns you he stakes claim on your life as being yours you know uh, if you ever have noticed my pickup it's a real beauty you know, I, I, so give me a vehicle that's all beat up and, and, and I can use it for a work truck and I'm happy, okay? But have any of you ever seen Mike Plastade's vehicle? Mike, don't mean to embarrass you or anything, but have y'all seen it? I can't tell you what it is because I'm just not a car guy. But some of you know exactly what it is and the year model and everything and that it is pristine. It is a beautiful machine. And that is Mike's possession. And that is one of his pride and joys is that vehicle. You know, and, and he, he takes care of it and he has staked ownership on that car. Okay? God has staked ownership on your life. And he says, you are mine, you're my possession." and I want to take care of you and I want to see you always be in the best condition and be maintained and be pristine and for that reason he has given his Holy Spirit to us to dwell in us to maintain us for that reason he has given us his word that we can open up and read and understand and see it fill our lives and change us to be the persons that he has called us to be because we are his possession and I can't think of anything better to be than God's possession because that means he is taking care of me he is taking care of you even in those moments even in those times when you don't understand what's going on even when it seems like total chaos in your life when the wheels are falling off of your life and you're saying what in the world is going on why is God letting this happen to me he is busily orchestrating the events in your life so that you can be the person that he wants you to be and the possession that he desires for you to be that is going to be immaculate perfect wonderful because God has taken ownership of you 
So the first thing that we see is that you are these things. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's possession. The second thing that we see in these verses is that you are called. Okay, you are called. And looking at, uh, again at verse 10, uh, or I'm sorry, looking at the last half of verse 9, it says, You are a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light. You are called... You're called for one purpose and one purpose only. And that purpose is to glorify God, to point to Jesus. It says here in His excellence. We are to show others who Jesus is, how great He is, how wonderful He is, what He has done in your life and my life. And each and every one of us here who has asked Jesus Christ to be our heart, into our heart and Savior. Yeah, y'all got that. When, when we have asked him to be our Lord and Savior then he has come into us and, and our job our goal is now to proclaim him to tell others about him to lead our neighbors to know and be changed by Jesus and our neighbors are the ones that are next door to us. Our neighbors are around the corner. You know, we, we, Brady, we, we've been talking about this, who's your one? And, and there's two or three folks that, that I'm praying about in my neighborhood. But then there's another guy. There's a man named Alberto. That four years ago, I sat on the ground in front of a little house in Chapumba, Peru sharing with Alberto and as we finished up our conversation we asked him said, said Alberto would you like to accept Christ and Alberto said leave me a Bible and when you come back next time we'll talk about it It's been four years. And I want to be able to go and sit down in front of that little house and talk to Alberto. Say, Alberto, what has Jesus done in your life? What did the Word of God say to you? And know what's going on. Who is your one? Who is God placing on your heart that needs to know Jesus and needs to be changed by Him. So the first thing that we're to do is to show that, to, to, to declare His excellencies. And then it says, says, moving on, if I get in the right book. There we go. Sorry. Then it says, uh, once, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And Peter takes us back to the book of Hosea in the Old Testament, and where Hosea is a prophet of God, and he is called to tell the people of Israel that God is done. He's fed up. He wants no more. And he first he says, says Hosea, you're going to have a daughter, and you're going to name her no mercy, because I'm not showing any mercy on these people anymore. 
They have turned their backs on me. They have sinned in incredible, horrible ways, and I'm done with them. So name your daughter no mercy to tell them, I will show you no more mercy. And then he says, you're going to have a son. And when you have that son, name your son, not my people. Because I no longer want them. I'm divorcing myself from them. So name your son, not my people. I'm not going to show them mercy. They're not going to be my people. Now then, as, as God goes on in this, he says, but there will be a remnant. And then as he goes through talking with, with Hosea and using him to minister, he says, now tell the people who I said, I will show no mercy, that they have mercy. And now tell the people that I have said are not my people, tell them they are my people. Once in our lives, we didn't know the mercy of God because we had not experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ in our lives. There was a time when we were not God's people. We were far away from Him because we did not know the salvation of Jesus Christ. But today, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you follow Him with all your heart, Peter is saying to you, Although once you didn't know the mercy of God, you now experience it. Although you once were not the people of God, you are now His people. And as His people, we are able to tell others about how God wants to transform them. How God wants to show mercy to those that know no mercy. To those that are hurting, that are lost without them. God says, I want to show you mercy. And it is our job, our responsibility to declare that God wants to demonstrate, pour out His mercy on them. There are people that don't know God and are not His people. And it is our responsibility to go to those that are lost and dying without Jesus Christ and tell them, God says, I want you for my people. And it is us who are called to go and to tell. And it may be that we're going right next door. It may be that we're going to our workplace. It may be that young people, if y'all can join me now. Somebody punch this one on the front row. Yeah, yeah, punch her. Go ahead. There we go. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Young people, it may be that God has somebody in your classroom at school that he wants you to share Christ with and to be able to say to them, hey, your life has been really tough, but God wants better for you. He wants you to show mercy. You may not feel like you belong anywhere, but God wants to tell you that you are his and you are his part of his people. These are the promises that we find as Peter writes that this is what he wants to do. And then... then uh, Finally, finally, we see in verses 11 and 12, they says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak, to you, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. 
So first of all, a couple of words that Paul used, or Peter uses here. He says, he calls, the, calls them sojourners. He says, you're sojourners. I had to look this up this morning because I'm not that bright. But a sojourner is simply a person that's traveling from one place to another. And Peter is saying, hey, where you're at right now, you're just kind of passing through. You're a sojourner. You're going to be somewhere else before long. And then he also calls them exiles. He says, you know what? You are no longer in the place that you belong, which for his immediate readers was Jerusalem. You're no longer there. You've had to leave. You've been pushed out. You're exiles. You don't have a home anymore. Well, you know what? As believers, this applies to us. As believers, if you have Christ in your heart, you know that this is just a temporary stop along the way. That one day, you will be called home to heaven. And God is waiting and ready to receive you with open arms. And to say, come on in, child, you're here. As believers, you know that, that this is an exile. This is a temporary existence in a, in a uh, refugee camp if you will because we're all refugees from the world and we're waiting we're waiting for the day when we get our passport that says you're free from the humanitarian from the refugee camp and you're headed home to your new home in heaven because that is God's promise and as we're preparing for that as we're preparing for that, then Peter says, live your life in such a way that those that don't know Jesus Christ will glorify his name because of your actions and your deeds. If somebody looks at your life today and sees the way that you are living, what are they going to see? Are they going to see Jesus glorified in the things that you do? Are they going to see somebody that, oh, they're a good person. They're nice. They're okay to hang out with. Are they going to see somebody that's living like the devil? What are they going to see when they look at your life? Peter says, make sure that what they see is the reflection of Jesus. In that earlier verse, we read that talking about Jesus, the marvelous light. And we are called to be the light, the reflection of Jesus Christ. What do people see in you? This morning, in a little bit, Brady's going to come, and, and we'll have a time of invitation. And, and, and as, as we prepare our hearts for that, I want to ask you, where are you? You know, young people, this weekend you've spent learning and growing in Christ. Where are you? Is there a decision that you need to make Adults, where are you? What are you doing in your life right now to tell others about Jesus Christ? How are you reflecting Him so that those around you want to praise Him and glorify His name? You're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And we want you to. 
we don't want you to leave without knowing him this morning. The Bible tells us that, that God sent his son who lived a perfect life to live and die. He died on Calvary for your sins and for my sins. In Romans 5, 8, it says that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were in the middle of our sins, while we were busy out breaking God's law and God's heart, Christ died upon the cross. And he did that, that we might have life everlasting. If you have not asked Jesus into your heart today, we want you to be able to do that. So we're going to pray, and then Brady's going to come up and lead us in the invitation. If you would, join me as we pray. Father, Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that you have loved us and that you have called us. Father, that, that we are your chosen people, that we are a priesthood of believers, Father God. Lord, we praise you that we are your possession. And we ask you to help us to bring honor and glory to your name by living as a people that have experienced your mercy and that are called by your name. We thank you in Jesus' name.